Welcome to the Marvel Events Timeline, the podcast that takes you on a journey through Timely, Atlas, and Marvel Comics, one event at a time. Here are your hosts, Travis Bowe and Brian Lockhart. Well, it's war again. What is it good for? Still nothing. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I already used that joke last time, but it's a classic. <laughs> so we are going to talk about, we're going to do a main feature this episode. We're going to talk about Captain America Comics number 10, which is the, I guess, the last work from uh, Joe Simon and uh, and Jack Kirby. Yeah, because I, if, I, if I remember what we talked about before, this is when they bolted over the revenue they were you know, cheated out of for Captain mm. America number one. Right. And so they haven't quite gone off to war yet. Yeah. Uh, but I think they went to work for DC and they were doing other stuff too. So, yeah. and this one comes out January. I, I had January 1st, 1942. So most likely this is work that like we talked about, this was probably the, the frantic work, you know, of two madmen, <laughs> uh, frantically like, putting together, having other people from, you know, other departments, like help kind of get these things done and, and finished. So. Right. Right. For sure. So yeah. Cause if it came out in January, 1942, they were probably doing a couple months ahead of time. So yeah, yeah I was, I, I, I like when it's spelled out for us because mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I always forget like how many months in advance that they usually do these like three, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Two or three, but yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, could be hard to say goodbye to them because I do think that Simon and Kirby have a, a higher level of quality, I guess, uh, especially when it comes to Cap. Although, yeah, I'll give my hand, I, I will spoil my hand a little bit. Mm-hmm. I've read a bunch of Cap since they left, and L. Iverson is amazing. He takes right. over as uh, the main art, I think, for most of them for a while. And I might say I like some of those better, you know, at least the art, the art. Yeah. I've found with all these Captain America comics that I, for the most part, I find it to be Cap just looks lanky and I I don't know. I I don't love this era because when Jack, we've talked about Jack will come back from the war and his art style is, is completely different from this. Um, There's hints of it in some of this stuff, but it's, it is good art, you know, for sure. It's, they fill up the page, you know, no question. <laughs> it definitely has grown on me, though, because, I, yeah. I mean, before we ever started this project, I would have dismissed, and I have dismissed mm. this era of comics uh, as just like, this is not for me. Yeah. Um, it's too kitty. It's too immature as far as the, um, well, some of the stories, yeah. I say, but the art it hasn't been perfected yet. Uh, I got to say, I'll just say I, I've been wrong. I, I've right. been pleasantly surprised with just how detailed some of these are as time goes on. And I, the way Cap looks has grown on me for sure. Okay. But, but yeah. we, we can get in, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of looking at the cover of this one. And, you know, I'd say the the cover layouts, I think, have been less impressive from than, than some previous issues. You know, this one's good. There, there are little things that I really like. Uh, I know you were we, we were talking about the it's got the registry book and Bucky's name is in there. And that's a fun little visual treat you know right because it's it's the hotel of horrors which is one Mm -hmm. of the um stories in this book 
and the register of death in Bucky's name is at the top of the list as he's as he's hogtied hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> and luckily there's a guy shooting directly at Cap's shield. So <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, and Cap's there to save the day. But they, you know, I noticed in this era there are a lot of like druid type people. You know, they're, oh, they're yeah. always in in like they're all like stone cutters. You know, or, <laughs> yeah. It, it seems like they're. I mean, they came out swinging literally with Captain America one, where he's punching, you know, Hitler in the face. And then I find a lot of the other times, yeah, they're they're fighting robed cult leaders and people like that, or a lot of we've talked about saboteurs and mm-hmm. things like that, rather than just like in in uniform Nazis that, that I expected these books would be full of. Um, we'll get some of that, but. Yeah, not not as much as I would have thought. That, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of that. I mean, it's there. It is there. But I think a lot of that. I was thinking about it. Is retcons with the invaders that and that comic mm-hmm. came out in the seventies. Yeah. So I I think they just went back and were like, well, of course Cap fought. You know, the Nazis. Right, let's, let's fill in some some holes and and right. pick up stories that happened back then. Yeah. Because essentially, aside, you know, even though he's in the army, he's essentially a, a crime fighter. You know. Yeah. He, he's stopping saboteurs and he's stopping. You know, people that are trying to upset like relations between China and yeah. and America. You know, who are you know who who are suffering under under the Japanese at the time. You know, and of course the Nazis wanted to you know keep America out of the war and all that good stuff. At least you know as far as the the stories go. But a lot a lot of times it's just like here's a random like ghost story. You know, yep. or here's a monster or you know just something. Yeah. But well. I mean, do you have any other like things about this before we just kind of jump into it? Okay, I do. go for I, it. And yeah. I didn't, didn't, I didn't give you a heads up on this, but <laughs> I want to start to touch on some of the people that are working on these stories that aren't Jack and Stan and and Joe and the the few people that we've really like highlighted. Um, you mentioned Al Al Avison, and he was born in uh, born on July seventh, nineteen twenty. He was the son of George Avison, a professional muralist from Connecticut, and he studied at the Pratt Institute in Brooklyn, which I, I think that's the place that uh, Jack was for, I don't know, depending on what you read, like two weeks or two days or whatever. Uh, he was a cover artist as well as a penciler and inker for Timely and Atlas, and he's credited with co-creating The Wizard and Miss America, who we'll be talking about fairly soon. And then Al died and on December 1st, 1984. So just a little quick bio on, on Al. Now there's, if, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken and I could be, and of course we could go back, back to our own show where I referenced this. I feel like Al Iveson was, um, one of geez, uh, Simon's buddy from okay. the newspaper days. And that's why he brought him on. Mm. I, that sounds name, right. Yeah. I know yeah. you mentioned him back then. Yeah, so we we didn't talk too much about him other than that that name would come back up, yeah. you know, and here he is. <laughs> yeah. And he will keep coming up cuz he really pretty much takes over. Mm-hmm. I think him and Stan Lee take over the majority of at least credits that are given, yeah. you know, to to who wrote the story and who who drew it. He has some work in here in the I think in the Father Time. Yeah. We didn't we didn't really get into Father Time too much. <laughs> <laughs> but it's there, you know, there's there's more than just cap stories in Captain America comics. So Yeah. For this issue, this episode, specifically, we're gonna talk about the first chapter, the first story, um, Captain America and the Spy Ambush. And then we'll touch on the rest of them. I think this is a an issue that we definitely recommend people read. 
Oh, it, it's a good one. And of course it is, it, you know, it, it's history. If you want to, you know, if you want to mm. say your, your comic book, um, <laughs> uh, uh, homework, if you will, because it is the last Simon and Kirby on cap. Yeah. But, you know, to call out another name, obviously, uh, in the first story, it's Simon and Kirby. It credits, uh, Kirby as the penciler and Simon as the inker, but the letterer is Howard Ferguson. And I think he's somebody mm. that worked with them often. Right on. Yeah. I think <laughs> I, sorry, <laughs> Where, somewhere I read that this one is, it's credited as being written by Joe Simon and Stan Lee. And then the art is of course by Jack and mm. Al. And I think on the, on the first page of this story, I see a lot of Stan or future Stan because it starts out with, you know, this this little call out that says a personal account of his spy, uh, smashing a spy ring. And then a little tiny off to the side of Cap and Bucky on the motorcycle, it says, as narrated to, to Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. And that screams Stan to me. Stan's the kind of guy that would, in his head, he would come up with this idea of what if this is a story that Captain America told us? And it's narrated to Joe and Jack. And so just that idea, I that feels like Stan to me. I could be way off, but I don't know. Well, I'll just say I absolutely love that aspect of it. It's one yeah. of the first things I notice, and I'm like, this is amazing. These stories happened, and we're just <laughs> yeah. retelling them for you young readers who want to know about what's going on with Captain America. Right. That's, you know, that feels like a, a exposition box from a 60s era you know <laughs> comic that that Stan is is doing the editorial stuff on like uh, you know that just feels like vintage Stan but. well without being able to ask any of the of the men involved with the creation <laughs> we can I can at least um believe it because at the time Stan Lee was Simon's um like assistant yeah and he would throw him you know he said hey kid go write this you know two-page text story or yeah obviously he's got the father time story later on and especially sure. if if stan and and who who knows sid shores and they're helping put these books together you know because stan and or, uh jack and joe are off you know getting ready to go to war like it's very understandable that someone else might have to take over kind of the editorial role so well for sure so but yeah, this is a this is a good one. The, yeah. the, the you know the spy ambush again, another spy. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say? Do you want to get into it? Absolutely. All right. So the spy ambush, of course, you know Travis already <laughs> highlighted one of my favorite parts. The oh. narrated by jo- Joe and Jack, and uh, there's um there's a neat little thing in the beginning where it's like ride along a U.S. Army convoy along with Captain America and Bucky with precious cargo is, you know, is doomed for a deadly ambush led by Satan in satin. That's, that's totally sounds like Stanley. Yeah. <laughs> but take a deep breath before you turn to Captain America's ride for life on the highway of peril. And it just shows some, it looks like Nazis, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're, it's nondescript bad guys yeah. shooting at Captain America with their like submachine guns. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cap and Bucky are on a uh, on a motorcycle. So the story started. The story opens with a U.S. Army convoy of truck. Yes, <laughs> one truck convoy. <laughs> yep. And it's, it says it's a convoy, but it's driven by Private Steve Rogers and Camp mascot Bucky Barnes on its way from Washington D.C. to Camp Lehigh 
it, they're about halfway at this point, and it's a unknown cargo that they are um, transporting. Yeah. Well, well, suddenly a frail woman collapses in the road. So, of course, our two heroes stop and, you know, ask the woman for help. Cap sends Bucky on his way to get help as he helps this, uh, you know, poor woman in the road. And it turns out that he asked the woman, hey, are you hurt? And she goes, no, but you soon will be. <laughs> I love this panel because she has her hands on his throat and looks like she is tossing him aside like a rag doll. Oh yeah, she like di- she's like diving at him, mm-hmm. and like yeah, he he is, and then all these dudes come out of mm-hmm. nowhere, just nowhere. There, it is an ambush. It's totally an ambush. So a fracas ensues, basically. You know, mm-hmm. Steve's holding his own, right? Until you know he's doing well. You know, he's kicking butt. They're surprised that one lone army guy's doing, you know, doing all oh, yeah. this. However, he didn't count on her name. Ends up being Countess Mara. Enraged at her henchman's inability to subdue uh, Steve Rogers, the female spy snatches a hand grenade from her purse. <laughs> Stand clear, you fools. I'll finish him off. With a defiant Yankee pig, I'm adding that part, mm-hmm. <laughs> she throws the grenade at Steve, and it instantly kills him. It just explodes yeah, in he, his face. He is He's in that blast. Dead. He, his body is on the ground, face down. He's mm-hmm. smoldering. He is dead. Yeah, he is his clothes are like torn up. You can see his legs. Yeah. It's, I mean, he's, he's done for. So mm-hmm. they sent, you know, basically she sends, uh, one of the guys, I think it's Franz or whatever, you know, some generic German name after Bucky Barnes. Hey, we're going to take care of this truck. We're going to see what's on here. You go, you know, track down the kid that went for help. Mm. Now I, I know one thing I did want to mention though, is, you know, she, we never know that they're spot uh, Nazis until she takes out her, pocket purse you know her, her, mm-hmm. her pocketbook because it's literally a bright red mm, yeah pocketbook with a, a gold, yellow like nazi gold. symbol yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's right. got a swastika on it so i guess they have fashionable nazi uh you know prada bags over there in germany right. I, I don't know <laughs> so. i got i got lost in here i could i was like where did bucky go in all this and then i, I yeah i remember now he goes running up that hill to make a deal with the farmer to get them to swap their places. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, more or less, you know, we were, we're, I wish they didn't show this because it would have been more dramatic later, but, uh, basically we see where Steve was once laying, once the yeah. truck drives away is now a, a costume figure of captain <laughs> America. <laughs> yeah. This bugged me too, because he, he's, he should be dead, you know? <laughs> and then, yeah, they show Captain America hiding in the bushes, and you know, even when you look back at the drawing of him, he's like I said, his clothes are torn up. So where was he hiding this uniform and the shield? Presumably, like it doesn't follow its own continuity. No, no. Like three panels later. Yeah, so, well, I swear to goodness, like I don't know where he hides this shield anytime that sure. he's. You know, it's always like this. <laughs> oh, you and, haven't seen the '90s Captain America movie where he keeps it like a little knapsack, like. <laughs> He just carries it around. Always, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then he pretends he's sick. Um, <laughs> so, well, the reason I, I I don't like that they show this too, is because right after that, here's this guy, Franz. He's about to shoot Bucky Barnes mm-hmm. dead in the road. He catches up to him on his motorcycle bike. He's just on feet. But out of nowhere comes a shield and, yeah. he, and he clangs it off his face and, you know, red, white, and blue shield strikes him. And, and there he goes. So, Literally one panel later, though, all of a sudden Bucky, Bar- uh, you know, oh, Bucky yeah. is standing there. Where'd his costume come and from? I didn't even, that didn't even occur to me. That's funny. <laughs> it's, it's, so, you know, they get to, uh, the two heroes borrow the motorcycle and mm-hmm. they chase after the truck. 
at, at this point they're now it's like a it's like a it's like a, a chase a, a, a chase thank yeah. you and because apparently the nazis have a secret hidden castle halfway between dc and new jersey that they are racing <laughs> towards and you're right i for some reason i read this part of it like oh they're obviously in europe oh <laughs> but i forgot that that it set up you know at the start that this was you know somewhere between dc and and Camp Lehigh. Wow. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. It's just random. So, well, they do say, I wonder if they're headed for that castle like building. Yeah. Castle like well, building. It's not right? a castle. <laughs> I guess, right. It's castle like. But, you know, you, you have to, they probably were like in the market and went around for real estate, you know, from house <laughs> to house. But what would make a good like European style yeah. uh, headquarters, you know, like that, yeah. that we could have a fight in, you know? They may have spared no expense, you know, bringing over this castle brick by brick. That's true. Maybe, you know, a la like uh, um, Dracula or something like yeah. that, you know, <laughs> but they, you know, the Nazis make it to their hidden fortress uh, before Cap does. And they got this huge, it's, it's kind of, it is like an old style castle with big mm-hmm. wooden doors that they, they right. slam shut. Yeah. So super soldier Cap and his human 12 year old Bucky yep. Barnes rammed the door directly <laughs> with the motorcycle. He's like, hang on, kid. And they b- Go ahead. <laughs> Their bodies are just ragdolling. Like oh. they, they literally crash into the door, you know, and it's not like a heroic, you know, I'm going to leap at the last moment and come in fist, fists a blazing. Like they are in a heap. And, the and, motorcycle and, is destroyed. It's yeah. like in three different pieces. It's insane. And like Cap is like, come on, kid, what are you waiting for? Let's go fight some Nazis, you know? <laughs> Literally is. He's like, get up for get ready for the scuffle. And he's like, boy, this crash sure shook me up. Yeah. <laughs> it is bonkers, yeah, <laughs> but I love man. it. <laughs> so naturally a fight ensues, of course. Oh, yeah, they know? fight some Nazis. Yep. And, you know, with some yahoos there and punches mm-hmm. there. But of course, it, all these, all these, like, fights end up in dog piles. Oh, like, yeah. They, they always end up getting overwhelmed. <laughs> so... It goes from a dog pile to Cap trying to get to this truck. And just as he gets to the truck so they can drive it out of here, then we got, you know, uh, Countess Mara is already waiting for him in the cab, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and she's yeah. got this new deadly gas gun of hers. Right. And that was you know, the hidden cargo, right? No. Oh, that's right. I forget what it is now. That's just her thing. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, so it knocks him out. But instead of killing our heroes, of course, she waits for them to wake up, doesn't see who they are, and then gloats that the Fuhrer is now in control of this army's new rapid fire grenade gun. That's, that's what right. was, that's what it was. So, and then uh, Cap, you know, being ever the sexist, don't kid yourself, babe. We'll be back <laughs> to teach you a lesson you'll never forget, <laughs> which I which I love yeah. as they're, as they're pulling them away. You know, um, uh, where was it that they refer to Hitler as a pa- Austrian paper hanger? Did oh. you notice that? Yeah, I'm trying I to forget. find where it happened. Yeah, he does make yeah, yeah. That's a that's a great insult. <laughs> and I had to I had to look it up because I, I had never heard Austrian paper. I didn't know if the paper hanger was a you know an insult. I didn't know if this was a racist slur. You know, <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> it's a, it's a, just a, just to let you know, it's it's at the end. It's okay. like it's the second to last panel. Mm, okay. So I'm I'm jumping way ahead. I'll no, it's fine. Later. We'll we'll get there. We'll get we're almost there actually. So yeah, I mean this now this is bonkers. So they throw him in the dungeon, and it's the dungeon of fire. Yeah. So they're tied up with just simple rope, and like 
flames start sh- shooting out like as like a like a hose <laughs> of flames are are sticking out and mm-hmm. cap uses his body his arms to burn the flames off and of course he then he frees bucky and he gets bucky on his shoulders and he they find they get out the trap door and all that good stuff his flames are kind of going all around him it, it's it's kind of crazy but yeah so then so then basically they, you know round two more more fracas <laughs> more fisticuffs more yahoos yeah more yahoos exactly uh, the countess calls in this giant bald Nazi from Raiders of Lost Ark, you know, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and, uh, and I know noticed- exactly. I noticed this a bunch, though, in most of the in almost every story where especially where there's like a saboteur, they always have this big like Andre the Giant type yeah. that they send in after him. And I think they do that, you know, to so it's like a caps make a short work of these regular soldiers we got to send in this big like ogre type person for him to fight because sometimes (laughs) they do show that he has kind of powers a la steve rogers in the mcu and other times he's just physically fit peak human performance you know so i i think either way it's to show that you know you give him somebody the difficult like a boss level Mm -hmm. or hench you know boss level henchman type thing but sure it's it's every episode or every issue (laughs) (laughs) but i like this one, it's you think it's going to be that big, huge uh, obstacle. And it says, uh, but Captain America is too enraged to worry about Teutonic giants. Klaus becomes just another hateful obstacle to be smashed down. And he just uppercuts him and he's, you know, done for. Yeah. One punch. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I do like that because a lot of times there is that like, oh, he bear hugs him. He throws him, you know, that type of stuff. Yeah. But, you know, of course, she's like, oh, my God, he, you know, he, he conquered Klaus. <laughs> this man is, you know. His strength is is of a hundred men. So she so here's a, you know here's a a case where they're like oh he's kind of got a little extra power here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so all right, so that happens, and then Countess is like all right, well I'll handle this myself basically, and she fires a grenade gun at Cap, and using his mighty shield he deflects it <laughs> away, and it goes to a nearby munitions dump, yeah, and it basically blows up half the castle. It's just <laughs> gone. It's just this huge, massive explosion. The panel Nazis... just looks like scribbles. It looks like a real, <laughs> almost childish drawing of an explosion. Like a cartoon, like a, like old yeah. Looney, to- Looney Tunes. And there's, but there's like bodies flying mm-hmm. everywhere and pieces. It's, it's pretty good, but it yeah. is, <laughs> it is like, it's like you could just hear them going <laughs> as they're <laughs> drawing it. <you> know? <laughs> and she goes, my followers wiped out by my own hand. Mm. So basically, she's defeated and she accepts that her death is pending, you know? Yeah. And she just says, please just don't torture me first. <laughs> but you know, Cap has other ideas and you know, here, this is how the, the story ends. I'm going to let you, he's, he goes, I'm going to let you return to Germany because rats of your kind don't deserve to be in a free land, even in prison. And you can tell you that Austrian paper hanger, this tell him that our freedom has been threatened before. And we're still around to tackle anyone who thinks he can take, it from us now hitler and his loot crazed barbarians will find the farmer of lexington and concord still very much alive in the spirit of every modern american end story <laughs> it's a great speech to wrap it yeah. up with you can tell that that I mean, it, that's some damn good propaganda oh yeah, yeah yeah i mean i mean i i could see you know as rocket said he's like oh you know he's pretty good at this you know, like cab's good at these <laughs> yeah. speeches you know? yeah and yeah, so there's your paper hanger. That, that's yeah. him just talking some smack, and then but also being like, "Yeah, we're America. <laughs> Eat it." <Fuck> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna play that right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I did look up the Austrian paper hanger, like I 
mentioned earlier. Here's what I found. It is often said that Hitler was a paper hanger, a person who applies wallpaper to the interior walls of houses as a young man. At least one person is on record as saying he knew Hitler at the time. Uh, Cardinal George uh, Mundelein of Chicago referred to Hitler as an Austrian paper hanger in a 1937 speech. And then I found another source, another person on the internet, I'll say. So, you know, take that for what you will, that quoted Patton, General Patton, saying, and when we get to Berlin, I am personally going to shoot that paper hanging son of a bitch Hitler. That sounds like a real quote. I think I've heard yeah. that before. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Pat's pretty uh, well-spoken, too, when he wants <laughs> to sound like a tough guy. you know. Yeah. <laughs> but he's no cap, though. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that, that's great. I, I just I like this story a lot. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, it's more cap doing army stuff against real Nazis. But again, this is they don't know that Pearl Harbor has just been bombed, right. you know, by the time that this, <laughs> that, right. that they, uh, you know, put, were writing this. So it's more crime fighting saboteurs, you know, or, or the Japanese, you know, the Axis yeah. powers in some way, right. shape or form. Yeah. So, so that, so that's the first story. Yeah. And, and to me, I enjoyed it. I, mm-hmm. I liked I it a lot. Too. Yeah. So the next story, we're going to kind of breeze through a little bit quicker. Um, it's chapter two, it's Captain America and the Hotel of Horror. And uh, this is where the cover of the book comes from. It's kind of recreating this uh, this secondary kind of cover page. Cap leaping in again. Bucky's hanging from the from ropes, and you've got a uh, several cloaked figures, and then this cloaked figure in the in the foreground writing down a bunch of names in the register of death. And I think it, yeah, I think it can make out Captain, and then just underneath that is Buck or Bucky. <laughs> yeah. So, and then a bunch of other names. You know, maybe these are names of people that uh, friends of you know Joe and you know whoever. But I was hoping that the, the names of who did this particular you know too. story yeah. was on there. I was I kept looking. I'm like, no, no, no more Simon Kirby. Of them, no, yeah. yeah. So, but that would have been that would have been neat. Nowadays, they would have done something like that. I think, or even yeah. by the '60s, they would have. It's just that you know, it's it's new. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, then we start with, this is something that you've kind of shared, I think on our, our Facebook page, or I don't remember if you did. I put it out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's (laughs) uh, the mayor of a great American city broadcasts a nationwide request. Gotham city is ready for its big defense drive celebration. If captain America is listening in, I appeal to him to come here in person to help make this program a success. So (laughs) what the hell? (laughs) You know what? This is not the only time I've, I've, yeah. cause again, I've been staying a lot in Captain America land mm, cause he's okay. one of my favorites and I've really kind of, yeah. Gotham has come up again. Like he, they mentioned like, Hey, we're in Gotham or mm-hmm. we got to go to Gotham or whatever. So this is the first instance of it though. And I just, I was like, yeah. what is going on here? Because so odd. Batman is out at the time. Yeah. So it's not like it was like, Oh, we're just using a general name or mm-hmm. a generic name. Now, I mean, we can be honest, Metropolis, Gotham, they're all kind of generic names for big cities, but yeah. p- particularly New York. You know, I've been I was rewatching Superman, the movie the other day, and, and and it's Metropolis, but it's literally just New York City. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's fine. It's a, it's a great big Metropolis in, you know, in America. Yeah. But canonically, I'd like to think that Batman only comes out at night and they don't trust him yet. 
So they need <laughs> Captain America to come and actually run some security and do some goodwill stuff during yeah. the day, you know. So, or maybe already the distinguished competition knows that Marvel's better, you know. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense to me. Yeah, that's the only possible explanation. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Steve and uh, and Bucky, they're listening. You know, they're at you know. Meanwhile, at Camp Lehigh, yeah, they're just listening to this broadcast. And Bucky's like, "Gee, Steve, what do you say? Gee, Steve, why don't you accept? We'd have a lot of fun." And this image of Steve, he's like clutching himself. It's it's the weirdest drawing of of Steve Rogers in any of these. I, I don't know what it is. He's he's just got his both hands on opposite shoulders. It's like he's himself. giving himself a great big hog or something. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Bucky kind of talks him into it, it seems like. It says, later that night, a letter is mailed, and it's clearly it's Captain America's gloves. He's putting a letter in a, in a U.S. mailbox. And it says the next morning, the mayor of Gotham City receives his answer. And so, like... The U.S. mail today doesn't even travel that fast. You know, I can <laughs> I, I can get some de- same day delivery on something, you know, but in 1942, there's no way this letter is getting is traveling to uh, the mayor from from, you know, Camp Lehigh to wherever Gotham City is. Yeah, but, to a completely uh, different company. Yeah. So <laughs> comics are bullshit, kids. What? <laughs> my whole life is a lie. <laughs> yeah. Um, my, I think my favorite thing in this uh, same page, it's a newspaper. You know, they're, they're saying that Captain America has accepted the mayor's invitation and it's talking about their, well, you know, preparing to welcome. And a little tiny uh, thing on the newspaper says, Crooks leave city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> like, uh, go round them up. <laughs> so. Uh, the next page, I know I said I was going to speed through this. I'm going to try to, <laughs> there's, there's some real rough, uh, depictions of some black characters in, oh boy. In, on this page, um, which led me to kind of look up representations of, of African-Americans in comics in in this era. And I found a, I found out about whitewash Jones, who is a character. He's part of the young allies that started in, in, uh, summer of 1941 and young Alan. Uh, yeah. And he's just, just a, a real unfortunate caricature. It's, it's pretty bad. So, yeah, I don't think we're going to get good representation at this time. Yeah. It's, it's, if anybody's watching like a three stooges type, you know, like mm-hmm. when the Butler's there or something like that, or yeah, it's, it's, it's that kind of, you know, yeah. that kind of talk. So, <laughs> yeah. But uh, Stephen and Bucky are on this train. Uh, they're coming into the city or coming to Gotham City, I, I guess. And they sneak off the uh, some guy shows up to kind of sneak them off the train. And he's going to put them up in this hotel and they get there and they get they sign in. Let's see, what do they do? They go up to the room and uh, the guy who, who brought them there said, oh, we've got some telegrams for you at the front desk. So Bucky, you know, volunteers to go down and, and get them. And the guy at the front desk was like, I, I don't have any telegrams for you. You know, why would he why would that bum be getting telegrams? And Bucky's like, this is weird. I was just here and you were very uh, you know, pleasant to us. And so the guy buzzes. For the for the bellboys, yeah, bellhops yeah. to fight Bucky, <laughs> and they toss him out. And then uh, I think Bucky then goes and gets uh, he leads this police officer around and takes him to, back to the hotel. And he's like, you know, it's a different you know clerk, 
And so the cop is like, oh, what are, what's this all about? What are you doing? Like, you know, why are you wasting my time? And uh, I think he says, like, well, take me to the mayor. <laughs> Again, well, just lead, he, leading this officer around town. But he threatens to arrest him because he, he thinks he's lying to a police officer first. Yeah. And he's like, oh, come on, give me a chance. <laughs> so, but then he does take him to the mayor. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. And at some point, oh, when he takes him to the mayor, um, he gets thrown in jail because reasons. <laughs> like he's been invited to the city yeah, with yeah. Cap, you know, like he's his sidekick. Like, so weird. Man. Yeah. yeah. And then the rest of the issue or the rest of the story, you know, uh, Cap's kind of wondering where Bucky is. And then he gets jumped by, you know, these cloaked figures. And there's a little bit of a fight and they, they throw a net over Cap. They go down gets, a slide. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> the guy who who is kind of the leader of this gang said, uh, I'm nobody's secretary. Uh, just call me Netman because <laughs> he tossed a net on him, <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's very silly. Um, they take him to their, uh, yeah, they go down like a slide. It's probably like a trash chute or something like that. Right. It just looks uh, silly. It looks like the way they're all, even the bag, yeah, the bad guys are going down with Cap, though, who's yeah. tied up. Yeah. It's like, they're like, we, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, they want Cap to swear loyalty to them. Uh, it says, you know, Captain America, our organization can use a man of your type if you'll swear loyalty to us. Like, yeah, it, Cap even says, you know, you're wasting your breath, net man. So <laughs> they take him away. And at this point, oh, this was great. Uh, Bucky is he's in in a jail cell. He's getting fed up and there's a, a horse drawn cart just outside his jail cell. And he's able to hook his uh, hook a chain onto the bars of, of the jail and he gets the horse to run off. And he says, uh, step on it. See, it gets on the horse once he's ripped the bars off. And he says, uh, step on it, Seabiscuit. We got to rescue Cap. And uh, I did have to look up Seabiscuit. I, I obviously, I've heard of Seabiscuit. I, I know that there's a Tobey Maguire movie, but I didn't know what era, you know, Seabiscuit was famous in. And it said that uh, Seabiscuit was foaled in 1933. And it was a thoroughbred that raced that. Yeah, that raced in six seasons uh, from 1935 to 1940. So at this time, yeah, Seabiscuit is just coming off of, I guess. It would have been famous at this yeah, time. Very so famous. It is appropriate. Yeah, very Yeah, it's funny. So. But yeah, that jumped out to me too. And I'm like, oh, he knows about modern movies. All right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And this is something that, that Brian and I have been talking about is if you read the Brubaker era, you know, Winter Soldier, you know, rewriting Bucky's history sort of stuff. You know that Bucky in, you know, in reality, Bucky was not this 10 year old, you know, bright eyed, you know, mascot of of the of the the army base. He was like a 16 to 20 year old, like stone cold killer, like trained assassin. And he was doing all of Cap's dirty work so that Cap could be the poster boy. And for me, reading the rest of this chapter with that in mind, it totally works. Because even like just the way they draw him in some of the panels, he does look like an older teenager. Well, and even the panel where he sneaks up on the guy who's smoking the bellhop, mm-hmm. if they didn't have the next panel of him punching him out a bunch of times and, and stealing his clothes mm-hmm. so that he can infiltrate the place, it looks like he's snapping his neck. You know, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, because that's what oh, a master yeah, assassin right. would have done. Yeah. He would have snapped his neck and taken his clothes. So, <laughs> yeah, these these new stories, I'm sorry, just to kind of yeah. p- 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 you know, piggyback off what you said, like these stories, 
are definitely take on a new light if you look at it as yeah. you know the retcon you know and not this silly you know teen sidekick and i actually i have a lot of fun with it <laughs> yeah yeah bucky goes in pretends to be the bellhop it gets found out uh gets dropped into the same you know i think the same room if not a nearby room that that cap is in he gets captured strung up and it's kind of like that cover image where they've got him they're like like uh they're heating up some uh like cauldron and yeah. uh, they're going to use him for uh, like knife throwing skills or whatever. And so they throw a knife at this guy and it, it for all, you know, they say, Oh, this is captain America. He's in this net. And they, so they throw the knives at him and presumably kill him. And then cap turns up with a, one of these green cloaks on, he says, you know, well, that's what you get for uh, leaving me in a room with, uh, with one guard. So, <laughs> Now, what were we just saying about, you know, Bucky being the one to get his hands dirty and Cap being the good guy? Because, like, yeah. Cap just had that guy murdered. But here's, yeah, <laughs> but this it's great. Is, this is in, you know, this dungeon. So it's yeah. not, uh, it's not yeah. in public eye. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah so, so Cap can feel free to murder yeah. away when nobody's right. around. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then it's a, it's a, the rest of the, the story is kind of a Cap and Bucky, you know, fight. It's some yahoos and some, some fire gets, you know, tipped over and and there's some good panels of, of action. Yeah, and the, the fire, you know, department shows up and they basically, yeah. you know, hey, you know, here's the guy, lock him up, you know, and then they, what, it basically ends with them going and telling people to buy U.S. war bonds. Yeah, <laughs> just more propaganda. They finally yeah, kind of make it to their, uh, their public appearance. Yeah, because yeah. he says, my fellow Americans, we have, a, yeah, we have a hard battle to win. Every day, the menace across the sea draws closer and closer, closer than they think, again, at the time of this being published and being written, it's already been, it's already here. Uh, when the big showdown comes, our enemies will find us ready and prepared. So chins up and keep them flying. Yeah. Ah, I'm saluting right now. You have no idea what I'm doing here right now. Just, yeah. yeah. Like, there's literally like eagle noises behind me as I read this. So <laughs> it's great. I like it. <laughs> I love the propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. But next up um, is the Hound of Cardiff Moor. Phantom it, Hound. Yeah. I mean, before we get into this, is this... What is the what is the Sherlock Holmes? The Hounds of Baskerville. Yeah, I yeah, I, I had that in my mind. Yes, uh, I think when, that is completely what they're trying to <laughs> evoke here. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was okay. It, it was it was not even okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's one that if I oh let's just put it like this way as I was going through a lot of these other cap novels, if I saw some sort of weird thing like this, mm. I I didn't read it <laughs> okay yeah that's fair but i did read this one yeah it's this one was weird because it, it establishes that there's like this manhound uh roaming through the cardiff moors killing people you know and, and then we catch up with cap and bucky cap is in jail because he's screwing around with the sarge again <laughs> and it so it, it firmly establishes that they're in camp lehigh and then this ragged looking man stumbles onto base and he's saying like, it's the hound it's the hound of Cardiff Moore. And the only Cardiff I know of is Cardiff Wales. And <laughs> to me, I thought, I thought that the, the Cardiff Moore's stuff was happening in Europe and Steve and, and Bucky were still on, on base in America. And then they're, for some reason they're going to send them overseas to deal with this problem. But apparently there's this Cardiff Moore near Camp Lehigh. So 
make of that what you will. I mean, there was a castle in the last you know, <laughs> story, so I, I guess, but I don't know. It feels like it's trying to be a, a story set in in, uh, in Britain, but they still have to be in uh, nearby Campley Eye. But. Yeah, everything has to be in the vicinity of where he's stationed. Yeah. Again, making him a lowly private, <laughs> he can't just leave base. And the, yeah. And this, in this one, he's technically in jail, and he breaks out to go... <laughs> to go deal with this, you know, as yeah. Captain America. But it's more like, it's basically a whodunit. Yeah, you know? yeah. You, yeah, Cappy and Bucky, they show up at this, uh, they, they head out to the Moors, which I even had to look up the definition of a moor, and I thought it was just like a swamp, but which kind of is. It's a, it's a, it's chiefly British, an expanse of open, rolling, infertile land, uh, a boggy area, and one that's, uh, peaty and dominated by grasses and sedges. So, I mean, do we have moors here? Probably, technically, but, you know, I would have just called it a field. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you just want to burn through this one real yeah, quick. Yeah, it's mean, a Scooby-Doo adventure, you know. Yeah, there's a there's a hound. Well, basically, somebody, like, got kicked off the land. Yeah. If I recall, and he's like, oh, I'll get you, you know, my, this, this uh, he had a real big, um, dog that was like barking at the people who kicked him off his land and his estate and all that i'm gonna and so it seemed like for years like basically there's this ghost dog mm-hmm. so i thought that you know and they keep showing this like literal ghost dog yeah. it's like it's a big dog he's radioactive or something or, yeah. or ghostly you know or he's chasing after people and cap even hits it in the face with a shield at one point mm-hmm. and it runs away but you know he's trying to figure out all right it's basically like one of us here is probably yeah, there's like responsible, a, a clue know. moment where, yeah, there's like five or six people in the room. The lights go out. Yeah, clue. <laughs> I thought you were literally saying like there was a clue. And oh. it's like, no, you mean literally the movie the clue. The movie, yeah. The yeah, lights exactly. go out and then there's suddenly a note <laughs> yeah. that says, death to those who dare to remain on the moor. Tonight, the hound, uh, the hound uh, swears it. Swears it right. That's yeah. the thing. I was like, I was like, what is it? What does it say? And you're right. Swears it, and it's got a little paw print. Yeah. So the the hound is like writing letters, like mm. the literal dog. Yeah. Um, but then you find out like there's also a man dressed <laughs> yeah. as a dog. Yeah. And he can talk, and he's like, ha, ah, the fools will pick. The, I'll pick them off one by one, and and but yeah. yeah, but then they like trap the actual dog who's radioactive, right. and then they punch the dog man. I yeah. Yeah. He's got a blackjack. He's yeah. a blackjack cap, will you? Like he <laughs> hits him with the with the slapjack or blackjack, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. He even um, calls pup uh puppy. He even calls Bucky an insolent pup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just nuts. At one point the dog gets a you know, takes a bite out of Cap's arm, like gets mm. his teeth around his arm, and Cap and this this dog, like they tussle and they roll and you hear a crack. Uh, Cap's got his shield up against the dog's, you know, neck, and and he kills the dog. Yeah. And so then, does the dog die in the end? We got to put this on that website. Yeah. Know? Right. <laughs> Spoiler alert: It dies. It dies. Yeah. Uh, then the 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 man hound shows up. Ghost dog. You know, the phantom hound shows up with a gun, <laughs> and and yeah. Cap tussles with it. And manages to you know get the the mask off, and it's the it's the son of the landowner who was was in the house with everybody, you know, just this old guy. And how does he die? Well, let's see. Does he um, die? Cat punches him in the face really hard. Maybe he just knocks him out. Yeah, 
Now to clear up this mystery and get back to camp. Um, yeah, he just punches him. Yeah. Urshle, it's an he hits him with a sleeper punch. Mm, <laughs> so he yeah. hits him so hard it's not yeah. uh the dog also has some claws like like mm. at the end of it like almost like Catwoman has like claws yeah. sometimes or whatever yeah. it's, it's crazy. oh we didn't talk about the the, the reason the, the real dog was like glowing is that he painted the dog with luminous paint yeah that's right and, and there's this weird panel where they're kind of talking about they're, they're they're recapping what just happened and Cap says uh, Murdoch kept the hound locked in the house it was he who turned out the lights and left the note when we, uh, when he saw me notice a bone on the floor. And I looked back to see if it was like, if they just, you know, drew a hint of a bone somewhere and it's not there. No. So we couldn't even figure out, you know, the mystery if, if, uh, you know, if they were trying to let people guess figure it. Out, yeah. Yeah. They, they cheated. <laughs> yeah. 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 So this one's skippable, I, I think. Oh, for sure. But, uh, and of course, it you know after that we get a uh, Sentinels of Liberty Secret Club news, and you know they, well, yeah. they're in every episode membership card, and you know got to sign sign up, kids, get your decoder ring. That's right, ten, ten cents. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. So overall, I I mean I enjoyed the issue. Yeah, um, I really liked the first story uh, the best, and I did like the Hotel of Horror, um, and, and you know nod to Stan Lee's um, two page story this time. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't care for the the Hound of Baskerville knockoff, no. or and I didn't even bother with any of the other stories. So. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, a good issue. Um, mm-hmm. You know, do your homework if you're interested, and give it a read sometime. Um, I guess we should mention where it can be read. Um, yeah, yeah. Why this, not? Because yeah, was this one available on Marvel Unlimited? It is. Okay. It's, so okay. Unfortunately, a lot of them are not. Yeah. <laughs> But this one was, it was definitely there. I read it there first. Okay. Yeah. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I did too. Um, we found out about this website called comicextra.com and you can go there and you can search, you know, all of the issues that we're going to talk about, you know, in this episode and the next episode were available on this website. You know, someone has gone through and taken scans of the physical issues on this one in particular. I think they've taken screenshots from marvel unlimited probably um so legality wise i don't know what i mean you know i don't think you're gonna get any any trouble by looking at comics on this website but you know well you know my my take on it is this if you can if there's a if there's a way to purchase it like we both have the unlimited app yeah you know we do a lot of our reading there and i actually i went out to comiXology and bought a few random you know old-timey issues just so that i can read it you know from amazon and all that or like on my kindle however some of these that were that were reading you know trying to read here are just not available they're not on the app so if if you can get them yeah the right way right yeah <laughs> you know go ahead and do it because yeah, we wholeheartedly know, endorse you know marvel unlimited but yeah it's yeah, great sometimes, it's, sometimes they're just not available so they're just not there they didn't they didn't take the time or effort to get a lot of these and i will say though you know the comic comics extra is some of them are great transfers and mm-hmm. some of them are not, but yeah. at least you can see what is out there yeah. for stuff that isn't readily available. And I appreciate that <laughs> yeah. because this is, you know, I, I found a lot of interesting Captain America stuff through that means. And a lot of them have the, the, uh, the ads that are in yes. between pages, you know, a lot of that fun stuff is in there. 
the site itself has a lot of little pop-up, you know, little yeah. ads that are playing or things like that, that that are annoying, but they're not like, I don't know. It's it, if yeah. You, if you need to read a, an issue, it's a, there's a good chance it'll be there, so. Yeah. Should we move on? Yeah, let's let's do that. Let's actually go a little back in time actually. Yeah, yeah. We we kind of skipped over something that we've you eventually initially brought my intention to this uh this character we're about to discuss in the in the destroyer i know we've mentioned the name previously but i think i think you mentioned this in our in our you know facebook group mm. that we were like man we this this sounds intriguing as a, as a guy created by stan lee yeah. so so this is mystic comics um number six from october of 1941 with an actual release date of july of 1941 mm-hmm. and it's uh the destroyer he is it's written by stan lee and uh art by jack binder Mm-hmm. which yep. he is the brother of auto binder yeah. which i think would go on to be more a little bit more well known in, in the comic industry yeah i looked up jack and says he was born in austria hungary in august of 1902 his family emigrated to america in 1910 they had six kids uh jack like you said had a younger brother Otto, who was also in comics uh yeah we'll talk about him uh pretty soon and then uh, I believe Jack worked for Timely and Atlas as a penciler, inker, and cover artist and died in 1986 in Chestertown, New York. Oh, wow. So I believe the cover artist for this is actually Alex Schomburg. Yes. He saying, goes back name. to yeah. he did the cover art for that uh, Marvel Comics number one, the, the you know, first that, Human Torch. Yeah. He does a lot of these covers. Okay, that's why I know it. I was yeah. like, I know that name, but that was a long time ago when we started. <laughs> mm. Speaking of the of the cover, I mean, I love this cover. Oh yeah, it's a great. That does sounds like it's like thirty pages of Destroyer, Enemy of Dictators. <laughs> Speaking like as a, a recovering graphic designer, like the typography, the mystic letters on this, and then it's got you know some other fonts used for for other this other header image it's i really like the way it comes together it's you know his costume is fun i'm not crazy about the red and black stripy pants pirate pants pirate pants yeah Yeah. (laughs) but he's like he's jumping into a nazi stronghold you know ripping down a nazi flag and it's really dynamic it's it's a really good cover well, I love the little right center, you know, center stage mm-hmm. of him, between him and the flag and is right under the logo. Never again would the Nazi whip crack so long as the mighty destroyer lived. And it's great. And they're all shooting yeah. at him. And he's just, you know, a couple of Nazis are already taken, you know, taken out. And, yeah. Well, you know, speaking of cracking a whip, there literally is a Nazi holding a, a whip. Some and old he's man. About to, yeah. Yeah. Be yeah. Commissioner Gordon from the TV series, you know. <laughs> yeah. Or, or Alfred, he looks like Alfred from the TV series, and, right. and maybe Commissioner Gordon in the uh, in the comics. <laughs> so, uh, what do you say? You wanted to you know, jump into the yeah. Destroyer? Yeah. All right. So, all right, the Destroyer. That uh, again, it, it's got a lot of stuff on this, and in the, in the you know, in the opening like splash page, it's almost like there's always like a second cover, you know? Yeah. And I just I just like it because it's so the world now is engaged in a great war. A war which is slaying thousands of men, women, and children every day. A conflict which will not cease until either democracy or dictatorship is wiped from the face of the earth. Yeah. Now, that's great. Great pro. So it's basically like, and then here's, you know, an avenging figure. You know, he's he's yeah. uh, going to destroy the Nazis, meet the destroyer. And it's great, you know. Interesting again, that they would, they would even remotely hint that democracy 
could be wiped from the face of the earth. Uh, you know, that's a surprising concept to to see on this. Yeah, well, you know, I I mean, Europe was struggling. They were mm-hmm. they weren't doing too good at the time, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I guess it probably seemed like a very real thing that could have happened, yeah. you know. So, I like that how this starts off. We actually get more or less a prologue. Yeah. Before we learn about, you know, so it's like brief prologue, basically a bunch of reporters. So, we learned that the Nazis are controlling flow of, of news out from within their country, blocking outside news sources from seeking the truth. This is nothing new for a dictatorship, nothing new for a totalitarian regime, you know. But what I love is like some newspaper men from the outside world, you know, like wherever are shown are, yeah. are there and they're like at like this prison and they're like, oh, come on, have a have a heart. Let's in. And he's like, no, I'm sorry. Of course, he's very apologetic. This guy's like the nicest. Nazi. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I'm sorry. Orders is no fun to get inside. You better go now quick. Like he's telling me, like, get out yeah, of here before you yeah. get in trouble. So, <laughs> so I love that. And of course, they know that the information coming out of Germany is false. And I like this. So, and so the outside world, the happenings of Nazi Germany are cloaked in secrecy and veiled in the depths of murky mystery. And it shows a big question mark over Berlin with a Nazi um, swastika. Yeah. It's great. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's kind of a neat little thing, but yeah, what was a couple of great things in this prologue Um, basically, but there's a wave of sabotage that all of a sudden is happening. We see the destroyer and there's like booms and explosions going off around them. And there's, you know, a bunch of, Basically, the police are you know, Nazis are upset. More, more, more explosions are happening. <laughs> I love this one panel. It's clearly after an explosion happened, and every mm-hmm. you know, there's dead Nazis. But one of the guys gets sent up into a tree, and he's <laughs> like, "I will, I will catch the swine, and if even if it takes all my years." And he's like, "And now with my own two hands or feet, you know, and all this." And then there's literally there's a squirrel, and <laughs> yep. it goes nuts, and a bird that says cuckoo, <laughs> and I'm like. That is great. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, all right, who is the master saboteur? Where did he come from? Yeah. Let us look back a few months. So that's when. Oh, sorry. One last thing about these reporters trying to get in. They're like, oh, come on, have a heart. Let us in. Reminds me of the guy uh, Homer hired in The Simpsons to get Sideshow Bob to get out of his town where he's like, I could be very persuasive. <laughs> and he like, and he's like, oh, come on, I'll be your friend. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I mean, whatever. So we learn that there's this guy named uh, Keen Morrow, and he's being sent to Hamburg, Germany, to get the real story of what's going on over in Germany. Mm-hmm. And he basically is thrown on a plane, gets to Hamburg, and immediately goes to Strom pr- uh, Prison. Like the yeah. second he gets off the mm-hmm. plane, he's denied entry, so he literally just breaks right in. Yeah, and is immediately captured. Immediately, yeah. <laughs> The second he gets over, it's like the spotlight's on him. He's caught. Yep. <laughs> so, the, you know, jump in if you have any yeah, like, notes because it's kind of a s- silly it's story. It's another reporter story. You know, you know, he gets dragged in front of the lieutenant. Um, it's Lieutenant Von Banger, if I'm not mistaken. Well, yeah, there's there's um yeah, Von Banger because they mention it later. Although yeah. I swear they call him another name either, either mm. or you know, at some point. But yeah, it's Von Banger because he literally calls him out at, at the end. So, so there's a little subplot that go, you know, they find out immediately. So he's American, but his mother's British, mm. and of course, at the yeah. time, you know, we're they're really like messing up, you know, Britain. Yeah. I, I I can't remember when the Battle of Britain happened, but yeah. it's not going well again. So they think he's a spy. He's not a newspaper man. He's there right. as a spy. And so they, you know, they basically, they start torturing him. Yeah. 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 Cause they want to know. And so they whip, but then they leave him and they go to 
this other guy who's Professor um, Eric Schmidt. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a world famous biochemist. Yeah, and he's basically working on a super soldier serum. It's it's very much a Captain America ish. You know, it's just slightly condensed. He's basically. Uh, Oh, what's his name? Reinstein or Reinstein, uh, Erkstein. Yeah. 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 <laughs> whatever he, whatever his name is nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's Reinstein in the first one. He's Erkstein the rest of the yeah. time. But yeah, it's basically him. And he's, he flat out refuses to give him the secret. Uh, he says that uh, you'll use it to make super soldiers powerful powerful and do damage throughout the world. So they, uh, they put him in the dungeon. And that's where he uh, kind of meets. They gets put in the same cell as uh, Keen. And yeah, they toss him in. Yeah, yeah he's, he, he's not doing well. He's an old no, man. No, pretty yeah. much. He he dies almost straight away. But he and uh, Keen get to have a little chat, you know, and he can recognize that there's goodness in Keen. So he says, I don't want to live in a country where every man is a slave, where you're told what to think and how much to act or how to act. He yeah. says, I would rather die. But you, my friend, you should live. You are young. You can still fight these beasts. Uh, I should give you are kind. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah you're kind. You're right. <laughs> so. Yeah. And he's like secret. And this is a little like, you know, he had this whole like booby trap set if the Nazis tried to open up his formula. So he, you know, he, but he, he tells, he tells Keen how to open it up and he does. And yeah, they so. even have like a little diagram of the <laughs> how it works bottle <laughs> and yeah, something. Um, yeah. It's so, just a little formula or literally like a serum that uh, Keen then drinks. So do you remember like the scene in Big Trouble in Little China where they drink the tea right before they go in the sewers and they're like, yeah, I kind of feel like I feel good. Like I <laughs> feel like I could take anything on. And they're like, yeah, you know, like they're, they're just talking you know, Jack Burton and uh, the other guy are talking about it. And that's more or less what Keen's doing. He's like, man, I feel different. You know, <laughs> it's the and, uh, it, it, for Harry Potter nerds. It's the Felix Felicis like uh, good luck formula. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so right then and there, he basically makes a vow, you know, it even says Keen Marlowe makes a sacred vow. All yeah. right, rats, you've killed the old man, but he's, what, what do you say? But he's fooled you anyway, because you haven't got his discovery. I am the only living person who has it and I'm going to use it against you. I'm going on. You'll have a new enemy to fight the destroyer. Yeah. <laughs> he basically escapes out of prison yep um, fights a bunch of nazi rats on his way out i think he lets um, a few people out that he, he were, they were about to be executed and he yeah. takes the guns from you know it's like the it's like a you know submachine not a submachine gun it's like a stand yeah. machine gun yeah but he needs a he needs a costume right <laughs> it's yeah. the next time you see him yeah he's in the full-on destroyer it says keen marlowe becomes the dest- becomes the destroyer yeah so so like he's just going around town and there's like a woman yeah. cleaning up and the Nazis are being like, they're like brown shirts, you know, and they're mm-hmm. like, just, I think they start messing with her, but I think they're about to beat her. Like they have their like sticks up in the yeah. air and he's, he's like a new, uh, a few socks might improve, <laughs> prove you a little bit. Oh, cause they, they were threatened the woman to, they're going to give her a sock and then yeah. she'll start, you know, behaving better. But he, he beats them up pretty good. Mm-hmm. Now, what I really like about this though, is he's got these knives Oh, and they're pretty he throws well i don't i think he does uh he doesn't use them till later but he he beats up these nazis and he leaves a trademark i like that the mark of the destroyer and it's badass yeah. i love it it's like a black all black card with a white skull in the middle and there's like this like jagged dagger mm-hmm. going behind it and it's like it's pretty it, i think it's supposed to evoke the skull that he has on the center of his costume yeah and later he does use some knives 
Mm-hmm. That that are squiggly like that. He pulls them out from his like shirt or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, it, it's pretty great. So, yeah, because that's the thing. So remember, you said like Von Banger. There's at one point they name like bring in somebody called Herr Frederick though as well. I think, I think it's the same guy. I think it's Frederick okay. Von Banger. Herr Frederick Von Banger. Okay, it makes sense because he's like the greatest Nazi police officer right. ever. You know, it, it may yeah, it may this may be a different guy than we had before. Yeah, they're, they're bringing in. Uh, well, because they again they, they they bring him in, but then they mention right. Von Banger later. That's right. So he's like Tommy Lee Jones of Nazi <laughs> police, secret police. So he's gonna go find a destroyer. Yeah. Um, I mean, basically, he's like this guy's like, hey, you know, you men, I got a special task force, but the destroyer just shows up. He's like, yeah. I don't think so, Freddie old boy. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, I found this. <laughs> This page is a little confusing. It is. Okay, good. It is. It's it's <laughs> it's too many panels and they don't all like flow from one to the next very easily. So Cuz it's almost as if he's he's like cuz suddenly like the the destroyer is just there. Well, right, cuz like there's one of the men that are questioning Herr Frederick. He says, "I disagree, Herr Frederick. I think you won't be able to escape him." Yeah, right. And then he's like but then it says the destroyer in the next panel. How dare you say dot to me? I feel half your head and chopped off your head, head chopped off a uh, half you. And then he says, I don't think so, Freddie, oh boy. And that's the destroyer. Yeah. So it's like he's threatening the Nazi who was questioning for Herr Fredericks. But then the destroyer is announced. But then he's like looking at the destroyer, telling him he's going to chop his head off. But I think he's actually talking to the guy who dare question his authority. Yeah. And then and then the destroyer is basically saving a Nazi <laughs> by saying, I don't think so. Yeah. And, and then they basically start throwing knives at right. each other. He does. He does throw one of those jagged daggers, you know, three either through his clothing, maybe kind of pins his shoulder to the wall. It looks like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. Um, but then it gets like really crazy because like there's a trap door hmm. and he goes down yeah. a well. You know, so yeah. I thought her, her Frederick was pinned, but now all of a sudden he's, yeah. oh, you know, he steps on it. That's what it was. He steps on a, a little button and it opens a hole. And then once he's down, once they're down, he pulls a lever and it starts flooding. Yeah. So it is like a well. It's and he's a like, death ah, trap. Yeah. Yeah. No, again. And, and, yeah. Because there's all this water like coming out of these mm-hmm. pipes. And he's like, goodbye, hair destroyer. Ha ha ha. And of course, like a Dr. Evil, he just, you know, Fleet. I'm just going to assume everything is flat works <laughs> right. so fine. Yeah. Just don't get it, okay? He tells it to the guy to question him. <laughs> well, <laughs> speaking of Doctor Evil, like when he's when Destroyer is before he falls in there and he's fighting, you know, Bomb Banger. It's like, aren't all these guys armed? Like he's standing there for like three panels, monologuing about wherever there's oppression, I'll be there. You know that kind of junk. It's like, just shoot him, shoot him right. in the head. I'll go in my room and get my gun. I can come back. <laughs> you I'll just don't him. get it Tra- travis you don't get it all right <laughs> so but it's, it's funny he puts like this wooden like i don't know uh cover over the the well yeah and then he tries to pry it open with his knife the destroyer that is he like jams his knife into the the into the wood yeah <laughs> he's tr- but then he ends up putting it in his mouth and pushing like because because he can't get the leverage with his hands, so he uses yeah. his hands to push against the walls of right. the the pit, and then uses his mouth on the dagger to then push the knife up. It's insane, yeah, uh, it's, and it it's, pops it's up. Weird, yeah. it just pops up. <laughs> yeah. I just had to go with it. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. he just gets out. He gets out of the trap, man. But I think he, 
And he goes, the rats have left. And he basically pulls the switch and see, oh, he goes, he wants to see how far it goes, basically. Yeah. So both, he goes, this will give him a great reception. But they leave like one lone like guard. Yeah. It's about to hit him from behind. He just yeah, knocks takes him, him out. out. So um, that's when he gets back and it's like returning home later, Von Banger and his men find. And it, it is like basically the water's flooding out mm-hmm. of the window. He said, sorry, I couldn't wait, Von Banger. I'm afraid you will find your house rather damp, the yep. destroyer. <laughs> and then like, then there's just a panel like a, of the destroyer <laughs> running and he's like, and so the destroyer speeds away ever on search for new adventure. It's, it's a weird note to and end it just on ends. Yeah. Because he escapes this watery pit. He just runs away. And so it's not very heroic. And it's like, I, he's not like, I thought he was going to like cripple this camp, you know, and make sure that the allies, you know, make it so that the allies can come and clean house, but he just gets away. Like, I, I don't know. And maybe this is going to be a recurring antagonist and he's always going to be going up against Von Banger. You know, that would, that sounds kind of fun. Um, I like the idea of a recurring villain because we don't get those very often. Right. Yeah. Cause he, he's the one in the foreign land, you know, he's yeah. the saboteur now. And yeah, you know, so yeah, like, yeah, it makes sense. He's going to go run recruit. You know, I feel like Von Banger could be like the Colonel Clink to destroyers Hogan. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, exactly. So, so there's another destroyer. Um, there is. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't read it though. No. Honestly. I was, I had enough. I thought, <laughs> I think you get the gist of what the destroyer is. I started reading it and I was like, that's a different villain. And this one doesn't seem as interesting. And yeah, yep. so I didn't, uh, didn't keep up with it. Yeah. So I, that, I mean, that, I mean for me and I didn't, I did not worry about what else was in this particular, no. um, uh, issue of mystic comics. It's not, it's not one I was like, oh, I'm just going to keep reading mystic no. comics over and over again. So, although I do think there is somebody we talked about, is it Marvel boy? Uh, black Marvel, black Marvel. This that's one. right. Uh, yeah. I'm just kind of scrolling through. Yeah. I didn't read that either. He's beating up more criminals. It looks yeah. like, yeah, there's the terror. It kind of looks like a Morbius type character. Uh, the challenger, the master yeah. of a thousand weapons. <laughs> He's kind of got a cool, he looks like a ninja crossed with a, I don't know. A, He's got like a star on his star. mouth. Yeah. yeah. It's, He's, it's a weird getup. Um, now the blazing skulls in this too. Isn't that oh, assignment creation? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. He can turn his face into, yeah, that's right. Cause he becomes a skeleton. He's got like a, he's more or less got a reverse Superman oh, yeah, yeah. outfit. It's red with a blue cape, you right. know, but then, uh, it, and then he becomes ghost rider. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't read it. I kind of maybe I'll go back at some point. It, the, that 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 character does um, intrigue me, and I haven't mm-hmm. really read much of him. But um, that, that, yeah, yeah, the, the destroyer. I I thought it was a fun character. Um, I, yeah. I do see him as one of the lineup of like the Patriot, somebody else, and then the destroyer, and read them in like mm-hmm. you know just the comics or or one of the other um, you know. USA comics yeah. or something like that. I keep seeing those ads. So, you know, he, he's around, he's mm-hmm. definitely around. Oh, that's what I was going to mention earlier that according to Wikipedia, the destroyer was timely's most used character after cap torch Namor, and the angel. So, oh, wow. okay. uh, Roy Thomas wrote that the, the destroyer was Stan's most famous creation prior to the fantastic four. Oh, good for him. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, I was surprised. I thought he was like a one-off thing. I'm like, oh, I never really heard of him. And then the, like, I just kept seeing more ads for him and I'm like, he's, yeah. he's, he's around, you know, he's definitely around. It's got a neat look, you know, yeah, and it's, it's sure. actually a neat concept. He's in Germany. 
Right. You know, he's he's not he's not on the home front. So yeah. yeah so that, that but that's all I got for Mystic Comics. Okay. You know, it was. Do you want to you want to move on and talk about Miss America? Absolutely. Another, yeah. Another, we'll jump uh, over patriotic. To, yeah. <laughs> All right, so Marvel Mystery Comics 49, um, written by Otto Binder, with art by Alfred Gabriel. Uh, Like we mentioned, Otto, younger brother of uh, Jack. Uh, Otto was born in Bessemer, Michigan, August of 1911. He and his other brother, Earl, developed a science fiction story called The First Martian for Amazing Stories in 1930. Uh, they they used a joint pen name, uh, e- Eando Binder, E and O Binder. Ah. <laughs> uh, Otto is best known uh, as a writer of Fawcett Comics, Captain Marvel, but also obviously did did timely stuff too. And Otto died in October of 1974, and then Alfred. Uh, Gabrielle was born in uh, December of 1916. It just says in the U.S. Uh, he was a penciler and inker for Timely Comics. He co-created Black Marvel, uh, Miss America, and The Wizard. So, uh, the cover of this issue, you know, nothing spectacular. I think it's a decent. I think this one might also be a uh, Alex Schomburg. Um, it's it's fine you know it's torch and toro they're flying around they're you know destroying this uh heavy artillery gun as some people some japanese soldiers load a woman into the barrel or into the <laughs> chamber yeah, yeah. so and they melt it before they could shoot it off fire it <laughs> yeah. off yeah that's just why I, I saw the woman there and i didn't catch that she's the bullet <laughs> yeah so to to get to what we are here to talk about uh miss america and oh, yeah. it's a, I think it's a great cover page. Uh, she's busting into this Nazi stronghold to, there's a guy strung up. He's got whip marks all over him. They're, you know, they're shooting at her. And one of the bullets is going right for the shield on her chest. We both read this. I don't know that she's impervious to bullets, but. Yeah, she's definitely strong mm-hmm. and she can fly. Yeah. I'm assuming she's impervious to bullets because. Yeah. I assume she's basically a well. We can get into you know what yeah. she what she's got, but she seems like she could be a Superman ish, Supergirl sure. type character. I like the cover. I mean, so the, like you yeah. said, the cover's great, but I like the it's, it's just Miss, but then it's like America. It looks kind of like a Captain America. It really does. It's got yeah. red, white, and blue. It's got stars in the white. It's it pretty looks like cool. the seventies Captain America like font logo. You're right. It yeah. does. I like it mm-hmm. and. Uh, it says, who is Miss America? What strange, majestic power guides her to such magnificent heights, magnificent heights and feats of strength? How can one girl, young, slim, beautiful, battle the evil forces that oppress our our war-torn world today? A brilliant experiment leads to the daring adventures of Miss America in Scourge of the Nazis. That's a great title, Scourge yeah. of the Nazis. I like That's it. Yeah. Um, so it starts with uh, this, the beautiful teenage ward to... Uh, James Bennett, you know, the radio tycoon. It's kind of crazy because at first I was like, what's going on here? Like, I did too. I, I'm like, oh, I'm like, this is it, what's going on here. It was and a I, simpler time. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> they explain it. It's actually, he was pals with her dad. Right. It's like, her 
she probably a, calls him uncle, but right, you know, I think she does at one point. I, okay. In fact, it's basically like Eric Selvig looking out for uh, Jane Foster once yeah. her dad dies. You know, so it's that type of thing. But at first, when I read, it, I'm like, what the? You know, <laughs> you because know, I'm thinking, you know, thinking Batman and Robin. You know, right? Takes Robin you don't. In. You don't often get a female ward to, uh, you know, a guy, and, and I'm sure it's it's a comic book for kids. It's innocent, but it using today's like. Like, look, like I did view. Yeah, exactly. Cynical. It's, We're all cynical yes, now. Yeah. yeah everything is horrible. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, like I watched Young Guns the other night and there's like, you know, there's the 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 China doll. They literally call her, I think, China doll. Okay. And she, you know, he's like, oh, she's like my, you know, she's he's my caretaker. And it goes, oh, that's what you're calling it. Yeah. And she's basically his slave, you know, mm, okay. and, you know, and you can imagine what, what he's doing with her as his slave. So, yeah. so, I mean, I see this and I'm like. Oh, (laughs) but it's in, it's innocent, you know, it's not the same. (laughs) So, um, so they're going for a drive. Uh, they're leaving the palatial manor on, on long Island to go to an electrical experimental station, uh, sponsored by Bennett. And they're going to go talk to this Dr. Lawson. Lawson was excited on the telephone. Some, some breakthrough I think that he's had. Um, so they're driving and, there's this panel with her and she says, if I were only a man, I could do so much. If I had a man's strength, the world needs someone. And so right off the bat, you know, it's not, it's not written today. It's unfortunate. They're At least dry- she wasn't like saying like, if I only had a husband. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, they get to, there's a, there's a panel of her like helping a, a crippled kid from, from bullies. You know, that's just to show that, she's always looking out for the underdog you know she's she she looks out for the little guy and they they get in the they, that kind of same thing she says it makes me mad uncle jim there you see there you go uncle that i can only help people in a small way that bully really needed a thrashing again we're getting to the whole point is she's just a teen girl yeah she's too weak to beat up these you know big bullies or whatever mm-hmm. So she, you know, we're, we're, we definitely got some wish fulfillment or wish wishing, you know, yeah, oh, yeah. here that she was different, you know? So yeah. mm, I'm sure if that's, I wonder if that's going to lead to anything. I don't <laughs> <Right>. know. <laughs> yeah. We get to the lab and this Dr. Lawson, he explains that says it happened during an electrical storm one night. I came up here, I started to work, I turned on the power and, and was working inside the cylinder when a force smoked me. I felt that my heart would burst and I lost consciousness. When I regained my, my senses, I realized that my brain had acquired remarkable perception. And does he go on to talk about any other abilities? I don't think he does. Uh, he, no. Cause he talks about floating, right? He's like, yes. I backed off in the catwalk That's right. and, and I floated in the air. I tried to reach yep. the floor and I did at will. Yeah. Hey, like, I think you need a vacation. You're <laughs> overworked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so you go. have a, a thought balloon from her uh, it says it happened during a storm. I could fly. What strength mental perception, you know? So she's like, it's, it's eating at her, you know, uh, the, the, what he had, the, what the professor had said. And she says, I think I'll go back to the laboratory. Um, and it's, it seems to be a rainy night. There's electrical, you know, there's thunderbolts uh, or, or lightning. She goes into this, this uh, lab goes into the, cylinder this this big you know apparatus machine i I don't even know what this thing is for they don't i don't think they they really 
touch on what this no. thing's meant to do, but they, they never say it's just an experiment. Maybe yeah. maybe it's looking for clean energy or some crap. Yeah, like, that. like it's just, it's it doesn't matter. It's a MacGuffin. Right. It's like you know, here's a machine that I built. Yeah. Everybody built these weird machines in the forties. <laughs> yeah, and so it just the machine. You know, it goes off, and it's not explained if it's. Be- caused by the machine or if it's caused by the storm outside i assume it's kind of both but it's interesting it's weird because she goes into this cylinder and then lawson shows up he's he realizes that someone's in there and he finds out that it's madeline oh yeah i guess i didn't say that it's madeline joyce is her name oh right right (laughs) oops and so he finds madeline and he thinks that she's dead and he says that how can I face James Bennett after this? This is the result of my experiments uh, beyond my control. This is this machine must be destroyed. And he sets out to destroy the machine. And he says, I'm a failure. My mistakes must never be known. So he kills himself in this explosion. And you can even see her body like being flung. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> out. It, it, it's almost you almost miss her if, if you're not really like looking close enough. I didn't even make the connection that yeah he's still inside when he blows it blows it up and that she goes flying. I literally missed all of that. I'm like, oh, he just blew it up. Oh, but yeah, she does go flying away. <laughs> it's it struck me as I was like reading this, and it's nice to be reading an origin story about you know a female superhero. If this story were about a male protagonist, like if Doctor Lawson, like he gained the same powers, you know, presumably. If he had become the hero here, he would be the victim of his his own accidental accidental experiment, which basically he was. But because it's it's about a female character, she's not you know able to be like the smart character who creates this machine. She has to be you know the secondary character to come along, and it has to be created by someone else. You know. A little, She's a teenager, though, yeah. and I think they did want to keep her young because, again, they, yeah. they want to tar- target audience. The yeah. other thing, too, though, is like she's about to become real smart though because that was one of the true. I mean, you're right. Like she didn't start out like the the professor, you know. Right. Like you said, it, it. And again, written today, you're probably right. However, I was actually going a different route with that. Mm. Written today, that guy would come back as a villain. I I, I noted that too. Yeah, e- either he would be a villain or the James Bennett character. Like her, oh, you know, or uncle. both. Yeah. Yeah. You'll find One out he's the find villain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like he's, mm. he's like the mad, or funding, maybe he, funding the evil. Right. Yeah. Exactly. The uncle yeah. is actually funding something. This was done for bad means, not their good saboteurs. Means. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, and then he, you know, the, the other guy like inadvertently gave himself powers and maybe he did feel guilty and try to blow himself up, but it didn't work. He'd come back right. he, with the same powers, but now he's like cynical. And then, yeah, we found out that literally it was like the, the uncle that was been, you know, and then yeah. we'll find out the uncle killed the, the dad at one point too. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think oh, we that just, would easily be yeah. I, when, as soon as I read at the start of this story that it's a friend of her dad who is now deceased, like I thought, Oh, he killed her. He's the bad guy, you know? <laughs> Um, and even like this panel with Lawson blowing up the the facility, we don't see a body. Maybe he comes back and yeah. he's a villain later. But given that all the villains in these stories are one and done, I doubt we ever see Lawson right. again. But he, Although, he's the obvious character. To, you know. Right. When Marvel comes to us to redo, relaunch a Miss Marvel. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think we got a basis for at least a first story arc. Yeah. All right. I'm just I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> 
And the next, the last panel of this page, like it says, one week later, Madeline Joyce begins her her adventurous career as Cap as Miss America. <laughs> Captain, yeah, Captain, you, you remember the end of the uh, of, of um, Cannibal Run when he's like, I always wanted to be, and he was supposed to say Captain USA, and he goes Captain America. <laughs> we can edit that out. <laughs> I've never seen Cannibal. Run. Oh come on now, that's uh, that was no. a funny joke if you watched it. <laughs> Yeah, she just has the costume already. I don't like that there's just suddenly she's on this panel in in costume. Uh, and then it says, you know, she's, it, she says Madeline Joyce, happy in the secret of her newfound powers, leaves her home to drive to town. Yeah, she's driving to town. And I think the writing here is really weird. She, she's driving into town. She saves an old man from getting hit by a truck. Like she's literally... She sees this old man about to get hit by a truck, so she swerves in front of the truck, gra- reaches out and grabs the old man while driving. While driving, <laughs> yeah, and you know, yanks him to safety. Uh, and and then, she smashes the car, though. Oh yeah, right, she, right, she, she, yeah. She yeah, she smashes the car, and then the man's wife comes out and says, "I was looking out the window when you saved him. Our son was hurt at the defense plant. He's not been the same." what the hell are you talking about lady what does this have to do with your son like I, at first i thought oh she came out and and because her son was in the road and this is her son but then i'm like the guy's hair is white and it does say the man's wife rushes you know it, something some wires got crossed here they're trying to find an excuse to send her on yes. a mission but it doesn't make any sense right. it's just kind of like she just hey, brings up her son yeah. for for no reason right as her husband almost got killed you know it could she could have said like my husband was distraught he's been working down at the plant something yeah. weird's going on and they were like no my son it, again it's weird but it's, it's yeah it's an odd setup so meanwhile at the defense plant you know some men try to pour molten steel onto a foreman like, we don't know who these guys are. We don't know who's the bad guy here. You know, presumably the people, you know, trying to pour molten steel on a guy. But she swoops in in, in time to save the foreman, puts a boot to the face of one of the, the attempted murderers and and tune in That's next it. time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's... if it weren't for this exposition box, we wouldn't know that we're dealing with saboteurs like it's just it's weird it, yeah and it's, it's weird. it just ends it just it, ends it's a good and lead it, up and then you get the origin the powers and then it's nothing so right it's it, it, like if this was a, a different character we would have gotten a little bit more to the story i think mm-hmm. you know in the plant and then she would have been left in some sort of death trap if you wanted to be like let you know do the continuing adventures i know she's like a minor character at this point you know so it's just a new character introducing, mm-hmm. sure. but they don't they don't complete the story. Right. And they don't even leave it on a cliffhanger either to be like, no, who's the mysterious man behind the, you know, or will she get out of this trap? None of that. It's it, just like, hey, we ran out of page. Rushed. Yeah. Yeah. We ran out of pages. Um, just come back next issue because <laughs> it just goes into a Patriot um, yeah. story afterwards. And- uh, yeah. The Jeff Mace. Yeah, yeah, name name that'll probably come up later at some point, but yeah, it's it's just it's just crazy. Like, I I mean, I like it for what it is because you know we'll we'll talk about her some more. Yeah, yeah, at some point in the future. But and I like her as a character, and I like her outfit. You know, I like the design. Is it, even as silly as it is, you know, as far as the the way it's written. You know, yeah. it's very it's very. Now these are the type of stories that I said with the Captain America, where I'm like. 
oh, I just assumed everything was kind of like that, you know, right. like this era. It's definitely of the era. And I still like it, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually went ahead to issue 50 to read kind of what happens next because I didn't feel satisfied with this. And I, I want to run through just a recap of that, just just to give a, a satisfying conclusion to to this. It starts off with a recap, you know, pretty normal. It has a, a exposition box that defines her four powers, you know, strength, speed, uh, wisdom, I think, and then strength, a uh, flight. And so, yeah, she she fights with these, you know, these guys, these saboteurs, and there's a swinging crane that that comes back her way and hits her, knocks her over the edge of the railing. She's following, it says, hundreds of feet above a, con- a concrete floor. So it's important that you understand everything that comes next happens between her going over the railing and when she hits the ground. So she goes over the edge. The Nazis make their way down to the ground. They dash across the yard into another building. They meet up with their boss who tells them to meet in the office. She continues to fall as workers like run and scatter. And thanks to her mar- uh, marvelous you know, recuperative powers, She's revived and says, where am I? I'm falling through space just in time to twist midair and land on her feet. So (laughs) (laughs) that's a little bonkers. But basically, the rest of the issue is the rest of the story is her flying around, racing around this uh, defense plant from building to building, scanning with her X-ray vision. Forgot about that power to find uh, time bombs that the the bad guys had had placed. And she manages to take all the bad guys out kind of while she's searching for bombs. So, you know, my problem, it's it's the same as the previous one. There's no detail. You know, how does she learn how to develop her powers? You know, weirdly paced, I guess. So, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not surprised it's not much different. (laughs) Yeah. But it, at least it it concludes the story, and then she's like surrounded by you know plant workers who are cheering her on, and and so it feels like a good logical ending. So I don't know if they just needed filler, and so they split the one story into two. That, it do, it does it definitely seems like filler. Yeah, you know, because again we've we've read other stories that kind of would have concluded. You know, because because honestly, there's some of these stories that I think go on too long. Yeah, you're like, how many times do they get captured? you know yeah. oh yeah so yeah <laughs> so and yet we can't even get a full complete story for miss america so yeah. right but i i wouldn't be against seeing more of her in some capacity well speaking of more tune in next episode where we'll talk about all winners comics number 19 which will feature miss america I thought, what, what a what a surprise yeah <laughs> Uh, we'll also touch on some uh, a Namor story and a Human Torch story. At the end of next episode, we're basically going to be done with World War II. We, we definitely spent more time in that era than I, I thought we would, but I'm I'm glad we did because I think we've we've read a lot of good stuff. You know, we've learned about some people. Yeah, made friends along the way. Yeah, you know, so read those stories. Uh, Send us an email with your thoughts, you know, marveleventspod at gmail.com. Uh, if you're reading along kind of with us, weigh in. What what do you think? You what if these stories are new to you, you know, do you appreciate 
some of these characters now that you didn't before. Uh, just stuff like that. Like, just let us know kind of what you think of, of the of the podcast and of, of the material that we're covering. Yeah. I, I would love to hear everybody's thoughts on it. I know yeah. we've definitely given ours. So yeah, I definitely want <laughs> to we'll, like include, like, you know, get some listener like uh, reactions or just like make the listeners part of the, of the show, you know, get to know the people that are listening and, and hear some more voices. So sounds like a plan. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably going to do it for this episode. I'm going to be in Philadelphia on August 6th as part of the uh, movies by minutes podcast meetup. So if you're in the Philly area and want to hang out with uh, some podcasters, we'll be at the Philomoca, which is the Philadelphia mausoleum of contemporary art at noon. And you can go to uh, grittycity.brownpapertickets.com uh, for tickets. So, and if you can't go, if you can't make it to Philly, Uh, Go to that same link and there are ticket options to join uh, virtually via Zoom or you can get the the downloads of everything so you can either watch or listen to them later. So sounds good then. Cool. Come back next time for the continuing journey with Travis and Brian. Until then, join the conversation over at facebook.com slash groups slash Marvel Events Timeline. On Twitter and Instagram at Marvel Events Pod or email the show at marveleventspod at gmail.com.